This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting, wonderful, terrific episode of Video Junkyard Podcast. And we're going to continue on in this unintentional animated trifecta review. And with me on this journey is my co-hosts and friends, Joe Peterson and Eric O'Branson. Fellas. Hey-o. Welcome. We're here. Finally. Finally. Nobody listening knows that because we don't really have any rhyme or reason to our release schedule right now. But we've actually been on another short impromptu hiatus just because of schedules and like all the stuff going on with all of our lives right now. So, yeah. It's been about three months, I believe. Yeah. (laughs) Feels like it. I've been uh, performing full time as a taxi driver, getting my kids to and from school (laughs) and various other extracurriculars. Wow, did that happen quickly? Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's kept me pretty busy. They don't even tip well. Yeah, no, they so. don't. They just make a mess in your car. <laughs> Given what we're reviewing yeah. tonight, the fact that you're using this taxi cab analogy is that's true. On point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it works. Yeah. It works. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's just been a busy couple of weeks. A lot of a lot of stuff going on, but nice to nice to have this going again too. So yeah, yeah. And we're we're getting ready to, and we'll we'll do a little more celebrating, but rolling into the Halloween season here as we record, the, with the rate that we've been getting these shows completed, it'll probably be sometime in like March. It'll be spring by the time you're hearing this. But um, well, I mean, but, yeah, if so. you're listening to these out of order, this is a Halloween episode. Yeah, I think I think this works. Right. Yeah, <laughs> we're bringing you Halloween. Right. Last year's Halloween this year. This year, this Halloween, Halloween yeah. out. <laughs> spring. Yeah, we're bringing you next year's Halloween. No, no wait, we can't do that. No. Um, but yeah, so we're kind of starting to celebrate we've got a, a lot of the decorations up and everything so oh yeah uh, halloween season has started in, in at least in my household so been watching some good we've been really going through the family friendly halloween new halloween movies um this year but i've actually seen some stuff that wasn't too bad we watched the uh do you guys see there's a netflix movie called night books that sam raimi produced no ghost house no uh, pretty interesting modern take on the hansel and gretel fairy oh, tale cool. uh it it recommended as a family watch and i, I know um i have younger children than, than than joe's so we're maybe not uh it may be a little bit on the <laughs> our definition of family yeah, friendly is quite i was gonna say after what he's told us <laughs> right, earlier but, uh, <coughs> yeah. yeah but it's it's one that they they enjoyed and, and i did as well i thought it was pretty pretty good uh it, it's it i find my favorite like uh, "Quote unquote family friendly Halloween fair is stuff that still manages to have the spirit. Still kind of manages to be a borderline kind of scary movie and have some like legitimate like spooky moments, but um, you know doesn't push it too far to get into the uh, they're going to be up all night kind of scared thing. Um, 
so yeah, I don't know. Some good ones. We also watched the new Disney Haunted Mansion movie, which I really, really wanted to like. It's got a great cast. There's a lot of like, I don't know. A lot. It it should have been a much better movie than it was, but I didn't really care. <laughs> yeah, for it that's what I've heard. Um, I wish that I did because I I love the the Haunted Mansion. Like that ride at Disney World is like a seminal moment in uh-huh. my young young life. It might be one of the things that helped get me into like all things horror and well this is their second time fucking doing it and it's like they still can't manage to just match the ride apparently like they can have reference yeah and i think honestly i think i prefer the eddie murphy one Um, oh my god (laughs) if i had had to put them back to back and uh yeah and neither of the movies do i think are or do i think are very great so well i think disney got really lucky with how gore verbinski did pirates of the caribbean yeah, and, I mean, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean couldn't keep going on after the first movie, really. I mean, they right. kept doing it, but yeah, it it, it was not the they, same magic. They created a character that really kind of embodied the whole thing with with Jack Sparrow, and yeah, I just don't see that happening well with with other movies based on rides. And Disney's tried a few. They did, you know, the was it Tomorrowland or something. Jungle, like I was that. say Tomorrowland, yeah. Jungle Cruise, Jungle, Jungle Cruise none too. of them have really. Yeah landed the same way yeah. so this is their second attempt at haunted mansion which yeah i i feel like there's enough substance there to make a good movie they just have not yeah. really yeah well yeah anyway not not for lack of trying i mean that's an incredible cast like you got uh lakeith stanfield you got rosario dawson owen wilson danny devito um yeah definitely a cast of people that i really like and just unfortunately no sometimes it's sometimes you can make a like have all the ingredients of like these are all the like spirits that i like i'm gonna make a cocktail i i I theoretically should love it right no you just made mud that's it yeah just (laughs) yeah um yep and that's always disappointing but um so to keep in if if you're a listener listening to this randomly this like i said earlier is the third installment of an unintentional trilogy of us picking out animated not quite children safe uh features from the 80s um and this was no plan it just spiraled out of control starting with eric's pick of uh what was it star chaser star chaser star chaser legend of orin yeah so the sci-fi star chaser uh and then led to joe choosing the anapomorphic rock opera uh rock and roll and now it i decided to i guess combine both of them in my pick and uh both a little bit of sci-fi a little bit of rock and roll and choose heavy metal because i lack any creativity or originality um We kind of did that backwards because this this movie is probably the reason all those other movies exist in the first place. Oh yeah. But <laughs> well, I, this this movie jumping ahead to certain like uh, trivia stuff is um, I believe the studio that did Rock and Roll was approached to do this, mm-hmm. and they didn't because I think they were doing Rock and Roll. Um, oops. Yeah. <laughs> you had both end up with Cheap Trick on the soundtrack, so. I mean, I, right. I, it's the 80s. I'm pretty sure it's the Cheap 80s. Trick is on yeah. every soundtrack. I think I heard them in an elevator once. <laughs> That's pretty close to true. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so. um, uh, but but yeah. yeah, so it's 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 uh, 1981's Canadian adult animated sci-fi fantasy 
anthology series yeah heavy heavy metal um cue all the music that we can't play without getting some kind of copyright strike exactly (laughs) um but hey, I figure if we get we get a C and D letter on any of that stuff, that means somebody's listening. That's to us, that's so. where we're at. It's just like, <laughs> ooh, <laughs> we triggered the algorithm. At least that's paying attention. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a 1981 uh, Canadian anthology series uh, directed by Gerald Potterton. I don't know who mm-hmm. that is, uh, but I don't either. That's I did recognize the, the... one of the producers. Oh yeah. Yep, Ivan Rittman. Oh, yeah. Rittman. Yep. Yep. I won't lie. I actually, I think some of the musical bits too reminded me of like this sounds eerily, like Ghostbusters in some areas. Like with the, uh, uh, Elmer Bernstein uh, composed the the orchestral music for this, and I believe he also composed the music for Ghostbusters. And it so. makes perfect fucking sense because yep. those those senses uh, were tingling. But this this. This is based off of uh, the the heavy metal magazine, which was, as we just learned, uh, when did it go on till Joe? It started. We when? went from 1977 to just recently in uh, 2023. The, in December, we just learned that it kind of the company folded, and then they yeah. tried yeah. doing one more issue, and then just said, "No, nah, we're gonna we're gonna kill it." So it's it had a good run from 77 to 23, and it was kind of an anthology. Eric, you said you had a subscription, so it was kind of an anthology. Yeah, yeah like magazine. Sci-fi it was fantasy. Yeah, this movie very much does a good job of representing what an issue of heavy metal might have felt like. Like a lot of times, <laughs> there's like little wraparound piece piece to it, but uh, mostly a bunch of comic stories. They were only really linked by them being somewhere in the sci-fi fantasy realm. And generally, they skewed to the more, I don't want to say adult, as in they weren't all full of, like, sex and nudity. There was cert- so, certainly some of that, but um, it was not not a little kid's comic book. No, this was you know, definitely, yeah, was, like, a horny yeah. little teenager. Uh, like, comic yeah, book. a teenage comic book, for sure, yeah. It, it kind of, like, I don't know, but it had some really great writing. I would say that Heavy Metal is the American, it, it probably, it's actually Canadian, I think, but the Canadian equivalent of... Um, the British comic series or comic anthologies, uh, 2000 AD. Yeah, yeah. If you're familiar, yeah. and if you're not familiar with 2000 AD, Judge Dredd is one of the characters that came out of out of that. So that yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. so yeah. So naturally, this breakdown is gonna or this review is gonna have some like breakdowns of different stories. Uh, we're gonna try to yeah. cram through. Yeah. But first off, of course, when did you guys first hear, listen to this, or is this your first time? Um, I've, I've seen this one before, but not a lot. I think I first saw it in college. Um, but that would be the appropriate time, I think, to see it. Yeah. yeah. And it was, I was like, okay, this is cool. It didn't really, I think I saw it somewhere. It was kind of on in the background. I was only half paying attention to it, but it was, it was, it piqued my interest, but unfortunately not enough for me to go out and like run out right away and see it again. But I've seen it a few times over the years, uh, but like you, like like always, sitting down to watch it for like an actual review is always a little different. Yeah. And what about you, Eric? Yeah. I, the first time I remember becoming aware of this movie was they did a big re-release. Like there's a remastered version of this that came out. It was still a VHS era, but I remember it coming to the video store and there being a bunch of copies of the the new version, the remastered version of Heavy Metal. And they were in these like mirror mm-hmm. case boxes with the um, 
for the the heroine from the final story, Tarna, and and her the beast she's riding on is like the like big the cover bird image steed and, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and basically, basically, it was the uh, movie poster. If you, you mm-hmm. just the one that's on Wikipedia, the common movie poster, but instead of the like dystopian sci-fi background, it was just the silver mirror box um i remember what box and, you're talking about like, yeah I, i've seen yeah. it quite a bit in places. and our video store in the small town got probably like five or six copies it's enough to like you're gonna notice this walking by and it's kind of like oh what's this thing and it's r-rated so of course i you know my parents aren't gonna let me walk out with that at the time but yeah anyway probably i don't know whose house i went to watch it at but got, got made it a priority to see it as soon as possible uh, also, it got through the grapevine pretty quickly that it's like a cartoon, but there's like naked chicks and stuff in it. You know, like you know, you're all the thirteen year old boys are. Um, so, yeah, it became a priority for me to see it, and I saw it, and I absolutely loved it. It just was it's so heavy metal got stuck in. And I, I don't know when I found out that it was based on a magazine, but I was always kind of interested in in finding heavy metal magazine. I can remember going into like comic shops and seeing that and be like, Oh cool. And flipping through it. I I never bought one (laughs) until like much later, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I remember seeing it uh, initially probably in my early teens and then another few times, uh, throughout high school. I think I had a dubbed copy of it at some point. I probably got it from the video store and, you know, did that thing we used to do and, copied the tape mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, i mean not, not we used to do but you know i heard somebody did that once um but yeah it's uh one i saw quite a few times in a very short period of years like like a lot of stuff we talk about on here and then haven't for like the longest yeah. time after that so uh it was a fun revisit and, and it was funny how familiar it was and how i i think i remember like every little piece of it um yeah that happened but, with me as well um, yeah, I I saw this probably at like twelve, thirteen. There was like that's like that age for me to just find media throughout the television because uh, we mm-hmm. finally had satellite and cable. Um, I think I was thirteen. I think I was thirteen when I actually did find this one. Um, but I was left home alone a lot. Like, oh, he's thirteen now. He can just do whatever, and I just stayed home because I had nowhere else to go. And this is where I find all this random shit that I, I guess in a way I shouldn't have found, but my parents wouldn't have cared either way. Um, they more so would have made fun of me of like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, nothing, just leave me alone. Um, <laughs> which is the primary reason I didn't watch anything with my parents. Not because they would like stop me from watching something. They would just, they liked to make me feel uncomfortable in that like teasing way. And uh, yeah. I, I wanted to avoid it like the plague. Um, but, uh, this, I, I can't remember what it was, but it's just like, I saw glimpses of it, like on TV for something. Like, I think I saw like an advert, uh, and I remember distinctly the zombified B-52 mm-hmm. things and I'm like, mm-hmm. w- and Melton skeletons I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it happened during Halloween. Um, and I think like, I finally found it play on like the stars network. And I'm like, I think this is it. And then I watched it, and I was like, holy shit, this is the coolest fucking shit ever. Because I'm 13. It it would be. <laughs> this is definitely yep. up the alley. Um, and I think I saw it a couple times, teenager, but ever since then, this is, I think, the first time I've seen it since I, like, left high school. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. And with that... Yeah. 
Go ahead. I feel like despite its R rating, <laughs> like the target audience for this movie is definitely like that 13, 14 year old boy. Like this oh, is just God. like the perfect movie for it's got like it's everything you would ever want in a movie. Blood, guts, boobs for butts. that age group. That's yep. yeah. <laughs> All right. All wrapped like in a, a cool sci-fi, sci-fi fantasy, fantasy yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, and I think this like totally influences why I want to make certain artwork that I do, which is not the gory or anime, just the sci-fi fantasy stuff that I never really make. Um, but we're gonna jump forward right away. I think this thing has a fucking badass fucking opening scene. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It does. <laughs> you know, yeah Soft landing the... <laughs> is what the title sequence is referred to as. So. Yep, and it's, and that's the thing. Each one of these shorts has really awesome music that goes along with it. That you know, oh yeah, it, it almost feels like you're reading an issue of Heavy Metal magazine, and this is the soundtrack you're listening to in your room in the background. You know, yep. Uh, mm-hmm. So you've got Radar Rider by Riggs playing as. I don't even know how to describe the animation style in this, but well, it's rotoscope. Uh, yeah, so they yeah. use they use yeah. models and actors and costumes and rotoscope it, and you see that a lot in a lot of certain animations. Which it yeah. works stylistically. It actually mm-hmm. works quite well with how they did it, uh, and you see with each story that there's a style because there's different studios. So, anyways, continue. But yeah, you just you've got this space mm-hmm. shuttle. You, it's almost like a you know beginning of Star Wars, the, the ship going over the top of the, the yeah, screen yeah. kind of a thing, and it's a space shuttle, and the bay door opens underneath and out drops this 1960 Corvette with an astronaut <laughs> sitting in it, and he's just <laughs> heading towards Earth. Um, yeah, and then lands, and the the chute pops out, and now he's peeling down the road. It's just really really cool. Works really well it's... with the music. Um, it's borderline iconic, I think, in opening yeah. of this movie. It's very cool. Well, and there's been some news reports that when this may have, and I can see how it could be, uh, it'd be a hell of a coincidence that when Elon Musk put a Tesla oh, in yeah. orbit that yeah. with like a dummy astronaut sitting in the front seat, that this is what he was kind of going for. So that's up there now. Um, yeah, you know, more space junk. I, it, it would be really hard to believe that that didn't have some influence. But I don't know. I mean, Elon Musk has such original universe. ideas. You know, he's such a visionary. Yeah, he's okay. never once stolen an idea from no, anyone. no, never at all. So <laughs> no. But yeah, the that's space, just that's just green. like the opening title sequence is this cool. I mean, that's like I said. So I mentioned to you guys before we were recording, but I showed this to my movie to my nine year old. yeah but this was the opening and it's what he saw he's like all right this is cool and then the rest of the movie caught his interest it caught his interest and then the rest of the movie continued um which we'll we'll see in a few years when there's therapy bill what what that's gonna cost um keep a list yeah (laughs) yeah and then that goes right into the book ending or framing story yeah like grimaldi or something like that grimaldi Um, yeah, and, and by the way, before we move out, the soft landing was actually written uh, by Dan O'Bannon. So yeah. I, I don't know what exact what kind of writing went into went into that, but I guess he based it upon uh, a comic from the magazine that he enjoyed. And yeah, so yeah, Dan O'Bannon, uh, who who wrote Alien and Return of the Living Dead, and you know all these kind of classics as himself. So yeah, uh, it's yep. so, I mean, it's the coolest commute home from work, I think in oh yeah history. Uh, but yes, it, it it quickly once the title's done, it goes right into another frame and story. As Joe said, it's very quick. But yeah, the astronaut comes home and has something to show his daughter. Doesn't go well. 
No, and <laughs> what's weird is uh, he pulls up to this house, and it's like this Beetlejuice esque. Adam's family. Yeah, that's this, what it always reminded me of. Yep, it's this big old house in the middle of the desert, and his daughter comes running down the stairs, and she's dressed like it's 1950. You know, like with the, the skirt and the little, you know socks and the black shoes, daddy pigtails and all that shit. And <laughs> he comes in, and he's like, "Yeah, I got to show you this thing," and it's this green glowing orb that. <laughs> We're introduced to Lochnar, right? That's the, the, the sum of all mm-hmm. evils. Yeah. Yeah. Who immediately melts dad. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like <laughs> we're going to traumatize the daughter yeah. instantly. And then does what every other fucking, like, boomer does. Holds you hostage and tells you it's life fucking story against yeah. your will. Yeah. Which is the yeah. most terrifying <laughs> part, honestly. Um, yeah. And they do some really cool stuff with the... I mean, it's not like a, a new style of animation, but as this little girl is staring at this orb that's like in her face and she's bathed in this green light and she's got this look of horror and then occasionally it's this look of anger. Yeah! It's weird how it kind of goes back and forth. It's really strange. I'm glad that you guys mm-hmm. picked... I, oh, that always bothered me as well. <laughs> it didn't that bother could... me. It just... It was... Yeah. It's I, it's weird. Like, it works. That's what I mean. Well, like I it's think it's stuck, totally intentional. It's in my yeah. Head. yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a weird. Yeah, we 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 briefly get to hear the voice of in, in the, the astronaut Grimaldi, who's melted in a couple of seconds. But the voice of Don Franks again, who we heard last time, mm-hmm. as the voice of uh, of Mock in uh, Rock and Rules. Oh, so. it's all yeah. coming together, like, man. The old yeah, Iron yeah. Buffalo. Um, yeah. And then yeah, uh, Lochnar is voiced by Percy Rodriguez. Yep. Um, Mm-hmm. And wow. so, pretty much, Lochnar starts, yeah, telling her all of these stories about how he can't be destroyed and can't be avoided, and people will seek him out no matter what, and you know, evil is incarnate and all this shit. Yeah, I but would, it, like I sink into men's hearts and corrupt them and destroy them from within. Type yeah. nonsense. Yeah, and this this forms the what we would call a wraparound story for an anthology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where he's now going to, like you said, pin her down and tell her all of these <laughs> tales of the evils he's done all over the universe. And mind you, it's just a glowing green orb. It just like yeah, rolls I, there, and it's just like, I'm, where you going? And it's like corners. I'm are calling out. it he because, yeah. well, obviously, right? Well, so. I mean, it's just <laughs> like it's not like a giant monster holding her still. It's just this just yeah. evil basketball. Yeah. <laughs> it's just right yeah it's a it's a big glowing nerf ball um yep. and it from hell and it's funny because the, the the stories really don't involve not all of them really involve Lochnar very much but it's kind of to show the influence of evil which you know is kind of the, the metaphor that they're using yeah. here so like it, the, it shows up and gives a hint that potentially it's had yeah. an influence but it always feels like a last minute like incidentally here's this thing continue on with the story and it's kind of works kind of doesn't well, the, the first story works pretty yeah. well uh the story harry canyon and that one's pretty yeah the lochnar plays a, yep. a fairly significant role in that one where like, which is about a uh a, a year 2031 cab driver which is kind of sad what yeah, the show it's kind of creepy that it's that close right right um <laughs> cab driver named harry canyon who's in new york in 2031 and it's it's kind of a noir story right it's a noir. He, yeah. yeah he he oh, meets yeah. uh 
meets this damsel, damsel in distress, distress and she's got a thing that she's trying to sell but the bad guys are trying to take it from her and it turns out to be the Lochnar. Um which her yeah. father found like the story starts with her father finding it uh, yeah out in the middle of nowhere with like I don't know what those helpers were and I don't want to assume too much <laughs> about them but we get more disintegrations like right away yeah. I'm like okay that's this thing's fucking MO uh especially throughout this story because i haven't like a a case but yeah some there's a lot of vaporizing in this story like it's kind of cool like his cab is awesome because i was gonna say harry canyon does his own vaporizing here but somebody will hop in the back of the cab and if they're trying to mug him he just pushes a button and they get vaporized in the back and then you see he's got like a collection of guns, knives, and grenades. There's a fucking grenade. Yeah, who's everybody in the cabbie with a grenade? Like that's not going to go end well with anybody. But um, it's it's interesting because this woman you know jumps in the cab, and you know there's a a gangster chasing after her. She gets out of there and passes out. So he tries taking her to the police. Yep. And you kind of get this impression from from dialogue that in in the future. Yeah, the police will help, but they're going to charge you for the investigative fee. Like $1,000 a day yeah. or yeah. something like, like that. Police services cost money up front. So, uh, so so, in 2031, we don't get the futuristic laser taxis, but we still got rampant capitalism up the wazoo. Yeah. Um, Essentially, yeah. the police system has turned into uh, the healthcare system. And Yeah. <laughs> it's more believable than the alternative that you were saying. Yeah. It's and the so, true green orb. <laughs> Yeah. Which is kind of a cool scene because it shows he's trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And he can't, so he takes her back to his place just to take her somewhere. And she ends up coming on to him. And, and then he returns the favor. Yeah, which is only really yeah. believable uh-huh. if you're that 13, 14-year-old boy. Like, yeah, this is this is what... This is know, realistic. Yeah. When you're a balding cabbie <laughs> who just yeah. takes a girl home, she's just going to totally, the like... Balding beer gut. Yeah, yeah yep, just like absolutely. Homer Sim- real Homer Simpson type with some ruggedness. <laughs> um, so yeah. she she says she's going to sell the Lochnar to the, the gangster... And mm-hmm. she's gonna split the money with Harry, and they'll they'll well, go off together. He says, "I'll take you there, but you have yeah, to split the money." Split he insists, and she's like, "Whatever you you want, Harry." Yeah, as a friend Fatal does. And so they, the the gangster Rudnick, uh, gets a hold of the Lochnar. It vaporizes him, which it does. He fucking he of opens course. it up and grabs it. Yeah, like like. Sin- sinister glowing green orb first thing he does is like grabs I'm like did you not know what you were purchasing like like and just yeah, yeah disintegrates like yep. melts like, and i it got just it lays and he's there. done yeah why, why anybody thinks they could just touch the the orb of glowing evil like ultimate globe of yeah yeah i don't know no one's watched enough fucking cartoons or Simpsons to know that glowing green means bad uh, yeah it's like yeah. the universal you'd thing. think in 2031 they'd know that yeah. Uh, but she double crosses Harry, then pulls him at gunpoint. So he vaporizes her and yeah. keeps the money. And that's the end of his <laughs> right, story. He writes it off as a two day yep. ride with one hell of a tip. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it was, uh, yeah. like millions of dollars or some but, shit. You know, it's, it's a great little packaged film noir story in, it in is. this setting. Yeah, um, and it, including you know, as Ryan just mentioned, his his even his narration and the way the whole story is told is just a very, um, it's a, a tight little 
noir piece it's good yeah it's yeah. it's fairly solid yeah. funny enough and it's got the right amount of humor like when he enters the police station and there's the three whores oh yeah <laughs> he's like kiss my ass i will for twenty dollars <laughs> yeah like, that's that's a, yeah uh, that's a great scene yeah. the whole police station scene is it it's it's short it's, but memorable it's simple but it's great for kind of yeah. the world building yeah um mm-hmm that's what I liked about a lot of these these shorts too is they're not too long. None of them feel like they're dragging on really. At least right. not the, not this one at least. But um, yeah. and then in the background while this one's going on, we've got music like Veteran of the Psychic Wars by Blue Oyster Cult. Oh yeah, Heartbeat by That's Riggs. a jam right yeah. there. Veteran of the Psychic Wars, one of my favorites of theirs. Um, that you don't hear yeah. it often enough. True Companion <laughs> by uh, Donald Fagan. Blue Lamp by Stevie Nicks, and then uh, the one that felt out of place was Open Arms by Journey. Open <laughs> Arms, yeah. It's like really in twenty yeah. this is still popular. Okay, uh, yeah. I don't hate There's Journey. Lot of it, it's in in context, it makes sense that it's there, but being that it's it's a it's a it's a song they still play obnoxiously enough, yeah, makes it sound weird. Yeah, but <laughs> and so it transitions to the next one, and this one is. I think this one is one of my favorites because yeah. it's so fucking weird, but like in a fun yeah. way. And primarily because John Candy voices uh, Both the main versions. character. Yeah. So Den. It's, yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's called Den, and it starts with a nerdy teenager who they later on emphasize that he is 18 because some of the things he gets up to require that to be stated. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But he finds a green meteorite does not fucking dissolve when he picks it up. So, all right. So inconsistency abound. Cool. Uh, he adds it to his rock collection and does what every other nerd does. Does a lightning fucking experiment on the random fucking thing, <laughs> which apparently sends him to this world that apparently is called Neverwhere. Clever. Um and it just randomly transforms him into a muscular naked guy named Den, which is an acronym of his name, David Ellis Norman, whose skin tone I can't tell is what? Um, gray? It, it shifts a little bit. It shifts bit. constantly. Like it goes from brown to gray to, yeah. Purple. Um, he started with purple. There was a, like, I, I don't know what's going on. And it's like, okay, it has to be the lighting of the scene throughout these things because it's a very colorful fucking world that he's in yeah. kind of it's but n- no mm-hmm. one else is affected by this hue change so um and he starts off saying like <laughs> by the way when john candy voices this that he keeps the teenage boy voice throughout the entire narration yeah. uh and the one that always gets to me is this like i gotta cover myself up because i don't want my dork showing or something like that <laughs> my yeah. dork hanging out i think Hundred percent, and this has some cool animation and, and and stuff in it. But hundred percent, the thing that makes this story so charming is John Candy's teenage oh, yeah. boy narration of the whole thing. Like, and he yeah. keeps it going. It just it's. This is why I have the most fun with this one, and all everything else. It's like it, it seems like it's taking itself seriously, like. But you got the two antagonists. Like you have this one woman doing sacrifices, and there's a subgroup led by an immortal man that's never fucking explained that he's a complete fucking prick. <laughs> and they are, they are at odds, and Den is just stuck in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, Gibraltar, the that guy. Oh, oh my. No, what was it? No, not Gibraltar. Was it the guy? Yeah, yeah the one you're talking the about. Woman, the the woman he from saves Gibraltar. is from the yeah, Ard, that's what it was. Yeah. Ard. Yeah. Ard is yep. this... Yeah, he's immortal, but... Some of the lines from his like 
thugs and stuff are absolutely hilarious the way they're talking about it when he, he i want this done he's got this very he's like i don't know how to describe him he's you know he's got he's a little bit uh like he's got an effeminate sass like character yeah 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 but yeah, there's um, a yeah, couple parts a where good, his yeah. his soldiers are even like, "Gosh, seriously, like, what is he up to?" Like, and that's like... another bit of this that there's always like the the soldier creatures throughout are very interesting like dialogue that they have in the background for both of their fucking leaders. Yeah. Um. One of my favorite bits is like when uh, so our pretty much forces Den to like, hey, go to this one chick's place and steal the the sacred Lochnar. The Lochnar, for, for, yeah. Yeah. Uh, here we go mm-hmm. with the Lochnar again. And so, but he's chilling with you because I, I, I walk in with his one gorilla-like companion and he seems pretty okay. And he's delivered, this gorilla creature, humanoid thing, is delivering these lines in such a like sophisticated way, dare I say. It's just beautiful delivery. Like, it's like, I feel like all these minions are, like, well-read. And, like, for some reason, like, they have idiots in power. And I'm like, God, this feels familiar. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Especially when Den gets captured by the queen. She says, let's kill him. But wait, hold on. I want to, yep. quote-unquote, interrogate Again. him first. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, stop and think. What would 14-year-old boy want yeah um and then 14 year old heterosexual boy with raging hormones what what would the uh very well well endowed um priestess queen just wearing a loose robe before you're yeah 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 but but i love her minions dialogue in the background (coughs) just like oh geez not again (laughs) she's always uh, bringing yeah all the flunkies and minions in this are hilarious with all their like side chatter like yeah yeah could tell this has been going on for a while this power dynamic and so it's kind of a he-man story you know it kind of feels like master kind of like that yeah like a conan in a weird way too like but not with a conan personality it's got the yeah it's got the cult and it's got the yeah it's kind of like if you did get a teenage boy thrown into a conan universe and he pilots conan but he's still himself uh the whole entire time and this is probably like the most moral character throughout the whole fucking like anthology series possibly i have to wonder if this was i mean who wrote this one this was uh based on the characters by richard corbin okay so this one feels like it was written by taking like a 12 year old boy and giving him some master of the universe and she-ra figures and just saying all right (laughs) You play by yourself, and we're just going to take notes in the corner. <laughs> because that's kind of uh, how it turns out we were recording the whole time. Throw a couple well, Barbies in there and see what he makes him do. <laughs> it's even in the bits yeah. where he's, like, narrating when he's about to have sex in two yeah. separate occasions. Yeah. He goes like, wow, it's amazing. I haven't had anything in 18 years, but here twice in the same day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's totally aware. He's like, yeah, back on Earth, I never would have landed a girl like this. <laughs> like, you know, like, And again, yeah. with John Candy being the, the narrator, the main character, it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it ends in utter chaos, and he escapes just fine. And they're like, hey, do you want to be the leader? He's like, screw that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah he doesn't want to go back home he's happy there and and there's yeah. a potential that the the two main antagonists uh got sent back through the Lochnar 
And he says, like, oh, mom and dad are going to have to deal with that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. again, I'm like, how old was this boy, actually? And again, they have to say 18, but yeah, I don't know, it man. It doesn't yeah. feel like it. No. No. Um, no. So, yeah, then we move on to uh, Captain Stern. You Captain guys, Stern. Oh, my God. take this one. Go ahead, Eric. Oh, this one. Yeah, I was going to say, this one's just kind of a very brief bit where, uh, yeah, the Lochnar, um Captain Stern is on trial for uh, many, many counts of um, <laughs> everything. Yeah, of oh everything. God, he yeah. takes the judge, like, uh, they have it all written out on Wikipedia if you want to go look at it, but, uh, um, or, you know, watch the movie. The, um, one, yeah, so he's one a, of them is a moving a violation. <laughs> yeah, and one that's, moving violation. That's the best yeah. one. Ends with the moving violation. Yep. So he's a Federation officer. Who knows what Federation? We don't get a whole lot of backstory, but it's a courtroom scene, uh, and they're going to call. Stern's got this one witness that's going to come in and just vouch for him and clear him. He's got. He's banking on this I've guy. I've got an angle. Fist. <laughs> yep. Who's. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to call him in as a witness and everything's going to be okay. However, Hanover Fist, unfortunately, is uh, exposed to our friend the Lochnar prior to coming it being called into the courtroom. In a marble and, form, mind yep, you. Yep. Tiny. Or these people are giant. I mean, we're not sure which... Uh, no, that's I, true. I, I do want to throw in that the voice of Hanover Fist is Roger Bumpus, who does a lot of voices yeah. in this movie, <laughs> but specifically, you might know him as the voice of Squidward from spongebob yes, yeah and, <laughs> and this is essentially the same voice that he uses for <laughs> um, i did not know that yeah <laughs> yeah that adds some layers uh, and eugene levy yep. plays fucking captain so, stern. yeah oh he's stern God. sorry yep. eric i feel like i took that from you <laughs> no that's okay um that, i mean that, that's really all all there is to it is that this uh Hanover Fist comes in, and he's these this kind of dorky. Um, nobody, uh, the the attorney Stern's attorney, just kind of is just flabbergasted at this plan. Like this guy, this is this is your, you know, your salvation well, here. And at one point, the lawyer even goes like, "Are you sure you want to do this? Because we like you are totally guilty. The the most we want to do is at least have you buried somewhere where no one will desecrate your grave. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what we're trying yeah. to work out here. And I'm like, oh, that's great." Yeah, so so Fist just basically gets up there and uh, tells it like it is. Stern uh, is, is sees that the plan is not going his way. No, and, uh, he's hulking yeah, out too. Gets out, yeah, gets out of order in uh, in court, and yeah, Hanover grows into hulks out and <laughs> yeah, just chases Stern around the court complex and. Yeah, which that's, we, essentially that's our story. He gets there and gets his money, and but you know. yeah, you, you've got he, when when Fist walks up there, he's this real nerdy guy. But as he's walking up to court, he finds the Lochner. It's like a, a marble at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in his pocket, and they imply that that's what's. I don't know. I don't know if that's what causes him to. Is hold this out what or he not. can do? Is, is this, this what the, the marble is do? doing? Yeah. Yeah. Because he starts out okay. saying all these nice, like, oh, yeah, Captain Stern is the most nice person I've ever met. And then, like, the rage comes through, and he's a monster. One of the lines is until, like, he opened up, like, the prost- prostitution ring at an elementary school. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's just, like, some of the fucking crimes listed in, not, not detail, but semi-detail, like, 
funny but also horrifying. Um, Starting a drug, dealing drugs dressed as a nun was another yeah. one. <laughs> I mean, they just make up the most absurd shit. Um, but yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool little segment, right? Because he's going yeah. through it's, it's a chase scene with this big it's hulking fun, monster animation. Fun chase cool. scene set to the song "Reach Out" by Cheap Trick. So that's our. Yeah, on the cheap, cheap trick, trick song. Here, it's so. this one's yeah. definitely more cheap trick, cartoonish. Like it doesn't it feel is. as rose wise. Yeah, yeah, not subject wise in terms of like dialogue, but definitely everything else. This kind of reads as like a Looney Tunes skit with like yeah. Martian the Manhunter potentially yeah. or some shit. Uh, Even the character designs that are almost caricatures of people with a large over, like big ears, big chin, kind of like chin, yeah. yeah. Kind of yeah. like a Ren and Stimpy almost, uh, I think animation yeah. style reminds me of that. Yeah. Right? Um, but yeah, it ends with him be uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Stern being cornered, and he goes like, "Well, here it is you earned your money." He gives him cash, and he shrinks back down. He's like, "Happy to do it, boss." Yeah. Then yeah. Fucking... So then it leaves you wondering, like, was this Stern's angle the whole time? The whole just, time. Yeah. Did he know that he was gonna? Yeah. And then. It's fucking drops him out of the fucking he thing jettisons him yeah and the lochnar flies off into space on like mm-hmm. a disembodied hand yeah <laughs> as it crashes uh which leads to one of my favorite animated ones uh and it's definitely the ones i think of that when i think of like this movie works for halloween mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and this is b17 uh which is a world war ii b17 bomber nicknamed Pacific Pearl uh, makes a difficult bomb and run and suffers heavy damage with all the crew except the pilot and co-pilot killed by gunfire. And then there's like this, you see the Lochnar kind of do this eerie influence and just reanimates all the dead. Mm-hmm. And the idea, like the atmosphere that this one builds with like the co-pilot first walk in from one end of the plane to the other to essentially like assess the damage. And yeah. you just see all the dead and all the grotesque ways that they have died. And you hear, like, there's no music. It's just the atmosphere. Of, you hear the plane mm-hmm. and you hear the wind. And it goes to the end. And then the fucking reanimation. Dude opens up one of the cockpits for one of the gunner, gunner pits. Gets grabbed and just all hell yeah. breaks loose. And, like, well, the idea of zombies on a fucking plane. Yeah. Holy and shit. and while this is all happening, the only song you hear is uh, "Heavy Metal" by Don Felder in the opening, where it's like, "Oh yeah, we're getting 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 shot up and everything." Um, yep. Yeah. Everything else. It, this is, is another short one, but very effective. And I like that about the stories here too, like how some of them are longer than others. Yeah. Like yeah. this is just a good short one. This is, and it doesn't need to be extended out. I mean, it could, but it works fine being just the length that it is. Yeah, yeah it's brief, but it's really effective. It's got a lot of memorable. Like, the animation style is cool. I think there's something that you're you're tapping into, Ryan, when you said it's a good one for Halloween. I think there's something in the animation style that reminds me of this era's um, kind of Halloween artwork, or in, yeah. like you'd see on some of the hang-up decorations and stuff. Just the way that um, it's very. I don't know, like, the style of it's very Halloween. They, they have a lot of, like, they're undead creatures. They have a lot of, like, skull facey kind of stuff. Melting, yeah. like, grayish, yep. greenish, uh, bluish, whatever, because it's, it's not consistent yeah. necessarily. Um, 
Yeah, and also this is another one written by Dan O'Bannon again, so his second mm-hmm. appearance in the film. But, yeah. <laughs> Dan O'Bannon, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends with him crash landing on a island covered in different era planes. And then all their dead come out. Yeah. And it's just like, yep. beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> yeah, because he like escapes from that plane and like uh, yeah it's just, it's a great little twist ending it's it's like a complete film all in just a couple minutes like it's like a beautiful like twilight zone episode in a weird way too or no more mm. accurate I, I guess dare i say creep show does that fit the vibe more never actually watched creep show but that's my guess on it when it comes to like horror elements yeah I could, or goosebumps I could see that. even it, it's a little more like a little more on the horror side than twilight zone would be but yeah. it's got that like yeah that that ending that's very kind of twilight zone esque Mm -hmm. so this segues oddly into the next story which i don't know how you guys feel but personally this one's a difficult one for me it's one of my least favorite ones but there's parts of it that make me laugh and i think it's primarily because it's who voices everything yeah Yeah. it's definitely aiming for funny like this is supposed to be the comedy this is the levity Um, after watching like the zombie on a fucking bomber um episode. i really really love uh, the the pilots the stoned pilot alien pilots um who are i believe played by harold ramus and uh, uh who's the other one anyway eugene um, levy yeah eugene, eugene levy. levy the other yep. pilot yeah. and then john candy's the robot in this one yeah the... so beautiful okay. so dangerous Thanks. is the name of this one yeah, and who wants to break it down? I don't. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm it, by it. It's, yeah, it's so, kind of a riff on the alien abduction thing. Yeah, yeah. They abduct uh, essentially the exact same woman from the Harry Canyon story. The 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 character type or like the animation something with redheads character I guess. design yeah. is exactly almost identical. So it's hard to believe it's not the same character since she's uh, dealing with a Lochnar again in this. But. Um, it's not. She does not have the same name, so I don't believe because no, it's Gloria, Gloria in this one. In this yeah. Mo- yeah. Um, so there's gets, like a bunch of scientists but, meeting at the Pentagon because there's been outbreaks of people with bizarre mutations, like arms growing out of their backs and stuff, mm-hmm. all across the country. And he shows up, and, and they're asked, like, "Does this have anything to do with that? You know, with something about like you know." alien spaceships or anything and he just says no we have no evidence that there's any intelligent or advanced life out there and then immediately this alien spaceship (laughs) drills a hole through the pentagon and starts sucking people up well he pulls up the 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 doctor right the scientist doctor and and rack um Mm. and gloria who's the stenographer yeah i think she she was an accidental casualty yeah uh, they were trying to get and wreck except when he when he gets not even beamed up it's like gerbil tubes or the tubes at the bank you know they just mm-hmm. suck him up yeah he gets just like destroyed <laughs> yeah and john candy's robot character literally like, named robot yeah how am i gonna just, put this back yep. together <laughs> yeah it just starts going on a rant and it's great and then yeah Gloria. yeah so they up. accidentally get gloria and they're kind of cruising through space the pilots are uh <laughs> doing it <laughs> A very large amount of I don't know whatever space drugs, space coke, snorting. <laughs> like know. with a reverse vacuum like, cleaner, they just make all these lines on the floor. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah. I, we should mention that Gloria's got a locket on that has the Lochnar in it. 
Yeah, this is the yeah. loosest fucking yeah. Lochnar yeah. reference ever. Yeah. yeah, they just had to throw it in there yeah. somewhere. Th- so, this yeah. and and Captain Stern, it's like it's barely influential to the story. Yeah, no. Yeah, at least Captain Stern, maybe it had something to do with the story. This is just kind of there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and, like, the, one of the biggest narrative threads in here, which isn't mu- it's it just feels like a long joke, is that Robot and Gloria, of course, have sexual relations. And somehow. There's just, yep. Somehow. And there's just jokes about, like, oh, yeah, women always feel bad when they have mechanical assistance in sex or something like that. Or oh really and then it transitions to which i think honestly is the funnier parts of the bit is he wants to marry her and she doesn't know about it and then he finally convinces her and she goes but i want to have a jewish wedding are you circumcised (laughs) like all these things and it's like yeah this is this is the light this is the levity this is these these parts I'm, i'm laughing at but yeah for me, it was Harold Ramis and Eugene Levy yes. doing their best Cheech and Chong, essentially. Like, <laughs> Are you, yeah. you sure you can land this, man? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just, you just got to close your eyes and pretend your hands aren't stoned or whatever he's fucking saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, the scariest thing is you, I feel like everyone at some time in growing up was in a car where somebody yes. was having that conversation. You're yep. like, oh, God. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. So. You hit the nail on the head. That is exactly what that reminded me of. <laughs> Like, oh, I'm going to die today. <laughs> this short also has a lot of great music in it, too. Yes. It does. Yeah. This That's is why this one's so complicated. It. And it had, yeah. like, the ship, I should mention, by the way, kind of looks like the dead mouse. Yeah. Uh, it does. Like, head without the ears. But the robot looks like he has the ears. So I'm I'm curious. <laughs> like, well, and we have, we have no reason also given as to why they beamed anyone up in the first place. Well, I think they were just picking up their robot because the, the specialist was their property is the only thing that I can... You're right. There's no I, explanation. I didn't, okay. I, I didn't notice that. I yeah. thought he was just some guy they were trying to beam up. Yeah, I'm not sure that I remember any real thought put into why. Because the doctor seems like he was trying to cover up and like, oh, it's these mutations aren't because of aliens or anything like that. It's because of this and that. Like, trying to cover up for the fact that these fucking i don't know what they are but these the, this alien crew is just probably fucking shit up yeah, it, yeah. it's it's and they definitely it, it probably is that an anrak was their android and mm-hmm. yeah they were getting him or something i don't know but but they they crash land into the space station and that's it yep <laughs> that's that's it yeah, um, do a, a, a huge amount, and, and thanks to Wikipedia, I know that the drug is called Plutonian Nyborg is the name of the <laughs> stuff they're snorting. It's going to be a space code name blow. in the future. Yeah. It's space yeah. blow. <laughs> yeah. Yep, um, absolutely. Yeah, so. again, this one has, like, better, like, weird off-the-cuff references I think you can make in, like, a small in-the-know group. But I don't know, man. Yeah. It's uh, just, it's not of the quality of the rest of it. It's not without its charm. Like, it's its funny in places. Um, but it's just not a good story the way that the other, like, a legitimately good story. Amusing, yeah. sure, but yeah. it doesn't have the... Yeah, it's definitely more in the humor. Which is weird, because it now transitions essentially to our last story. Not the technical, because there's an epilogue. But this is mm-hmm. the last story. And yeah. it's definitely the one that gets the most attention. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
this is the one you think of heavy metal and this is yeah. i mean obviously because the poster image and all of the and if there's know. to be like a final climax to an anthology like this is the story i think that kind of actually has an impact on the overall narrative uh and yeah the the marketing and everything like that like you said like it's it's on the yeah. cover um and the music used in this one if they couple of tracks by black sabbath and in devo to uh, level that out in a weird way yeah in a very weird <laughs> yeah. way so like but um but yeah, yeah. it's it's the tanara T- tamara Ta- tarna 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 yeah yep. i'm not good but you, you're throwing too many so, vowels yeah. together sorry this, this um, is also the segment that um in season 12 of south park the episode major yep. boobage Yep. has been parodied perfectly with Butters uh, riding on the bird thing with Tarna. <laughs> yep. This this is definitely the iconic thing. In fact, I think in Heavy Metal 2000, which is not an anthology movie, it, it was just one long narrative. It was essentially the, not this, but kind of this. Another Tarna story. Yeah, another Tarna yeah. story. Exactly that. Um, wow. But yeah, the Loch now is a fucking giant meteorite because consistency crashes into a volcano on another world, draws out a large mass of curious people, and as they climb the volcano, they get fucking oozed upon uh, this green slime, and they mutate into this evil barbarian army, as yep. one does. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course. Uh, so the mutants attack the peaceful uh, uh, towns... Uh, and such and uh i won't lie given the current i don't want to date this episode but given a current conflicts it, it, yeah um watching this today was just like oh boy yeah the take home um, was yeah. that we need a tarna um <laughs> because that's what, like oh we're we're peaceful we're we're, well, we're people of science and logic and peace and everything we don't know how to fight have, which at least is have logical. you tried to to summon a Turakan warrior whatever they're called yeah yet? so yeah and um, so yeah they decide we need gotta to give it the old college try before we decide we don't have one so yeah they they try to summon the last of the Turakians. um which they they've think not... is extinct but they're like there might still be one out there and it ends up being tarna who's she never speaks but she's we first meet her riding on her what pterodactyl thing yeah i was looking for a name of that thing but yeah it's kind of like a combination between a horse and a bird it looks like a pterodactyl it does yes it does it looks like like a a chubby pterosaur and all the bad guys are flying on giant bats which is kind of cool so um, yeah, but yeah, they, they. This has a lot of very cool imagery. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh yeah. This, yeah, this also has the most like, I think violence, uh, because you get violent scenes in a few situations. But I think for this, I think like I what's okay. Why I say that is because like the death of that one kid, or that kiddish yeah. person who just gets harpooned, mm-hmm. and they they animated the entire facial reactions yeah and it was just again the, the reason i mentioned like this one was a little bit difficult for me uh is because of like when you hear all the stories of going with certain war conflicts uh happening ha can't date me which one am i talking about right. um this <laughs> one uh like when you think about like casualties of war that's what this one like kind of like ooh, i'm having a hard time here um with this and like seeing that yeah. scene 
Yeah, luckily it's been a couple weeks since I watched it, so I didn't have the <laughs> oh, unfortunate you... <laughs> context to. Yeah. 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 It's get there. some emotional distance but... there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not that that's not you know every other month anyway somewhere in the world but yeah but it yeah. wasn't so quite as immediate we do but. see it it's kind of cool that when when tarna like okay she she receives the somehow receives the the signal that she needs to armor up which simply means putting on a brawn panty Sli- yeah um, <laughs> so clothes would be stretching yeah things, how do you like, fight that, boots g-string g-string bra Yep. Yeah. And a don't sword. For- Basically, a couple of threads and some boots. Like that's, yeah. yeah. And don't forget your hockey pads on your legs. Uh, yeah. And one shoulder. Um, and she. Yeah, I always love in this type of fiction how it's like men armored, like head to toe, and then like female armor. It's like nipple covers and like. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. she wears more clothes than Den. That's true. She does. You're right. That's yeah. true. Um, but and she has a cool sword. She has a sword. She does. Yeah. <laughs> well, she I has mean, a it, golden sword. It's yeah. a golden sword. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, she she flies over to one of these cities and finds everybody. Well, back to the city itself, finds everybody dead. Yeah. So that Chanton did not do them any good because she had to take so fucking long to go get her armor, put it on, and they the whole scene is just slowly. And so when they finally, because you know, got to make it sensual. But when they find when she finally shows Again, up, made by made by twelve year old boy, <laughs> yeah, twelve year old, forty year old men. Um, but when she does show up there, and you see As their disembodied heads and limbs, like just all about, all I could think of was like, this is what was happening to them when she was putting on what you yeah. could to technically call clothes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, while she's while she's getting ready for the strip tease, they're all getting slaughtered. I mean, to be fair, they're doing their their chant thing for her as the doors are being busted down so yeah she didn't have a lot of time anyway but she didn't hurry you know right um you know she probably you know made sure she shaved her legs and (laughs) played with her hair a bit um that's that's what people do in this house when we have to go somewhere and it's really important they're still doing all of that anyway um (laughs) but yeah she so she starts going around and running into other small bands of these mutants. She goes to fucking pubs. Yeah, it's she like, goes well, to pubs. dead. logically a up. place where you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's cool because, again, no dialogue from her, at least, and she's piecing together where to go. That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and eventually... She does a short, like, an investigation following this... Yeah. Basically following the trail of this band of marauders, barbarian marauders, yeah. that the Lochnar has created. And then the mutants catch her... And immediately take off all those clothes they put on her. You know, that she put on. They take those all off. Yeah. Just to strip They're her They're a little naked. quicker. And then they but... then they throw her in a pit and they give them back to her. Which doesn't make any... Which They threw her her sword, apparently, too. I yeah, they it. just you, threw her You never everything. see it. They threw her stuff down to her in on, like, the ledge of a pit that they're throwing people down into the pit to kill them. Like, it's just... It's kind of strange. Like, why are they doing what they're doing um and of course her bird steed thing her bird creature yeah like, that that's the heart and soul that yeah. one's like again they made it so cuddly so cute <laughs> for me yeah. personally i don't know how you guys feel but i was just like when they were starting to hurt it and shit i'm like no yeah <laughs> i'm like no oh, yeah no it, they got me it's definitely a yeah affecting when it gets hurt so um it it breaks free it takes her out of the hole 
I don't quite remember everything else that happened. <laughs> well, and the Lochnar plays yeah. into this one too, where yeah. she she escapes the pit, her her mount, whatever you call it, the pterodactyl thing, and she's heading they're, towards the yeah. They're the trying to kill it, and it breaks free, scoops down in the pit, picks her up, and takes off with her. Um, and then she's trying to get the Lochnar away. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, there's well, no, it's a volcano now, right? Yeah, now it's it, a big Lochnar volcano. Yeah. So she's trying to get yeah. there and end the volcano. Yeah, and the mutant. You go through leader... so many stories in this film that when you get to the last major one, you're just like, I don't have the energy to remember. Right, going it's, on here. there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the... this one's also substantially longer than the rest of it. Is. This is a good it's like significant. What is it like? Almost a half an hour in length. It I felt think. like it. Like, yeah. It was definitely like a twenty-five minute thing, I think. But yeah, yeah. Fight to the death of the volcano with the main head mutant dude, who has a buzzsaw yeah. hand. Yeah, I was gonna say there's. A, uh, it's a really great fight with the buzz. Yeah, his buzzsaw is it hand or hands? He's got one hand that's a buzzsaw and one that's a. It's just a normal hand, I think. The is it, is it just a normal hand? hand? I think it is. Yeah, it might be. I mean, he's anyway, green, yeah. so what's normal about him, really? Right. Right. Uh, yep. I won't. Well, then she defeat she defeats the horde and. Um, Goes on to fulfill her destiny. By yep, sacrifices herself, I think. Crashes mm-hmm. in, into the volcano, destroying the Lochnar once and for all. Which maybe. kind of leads yeah. us to the epilogue where we go back to the fucking little girl held hostage by this narrator. Uh, and he, the Lochnar is exploding. Or it's about to explode. She fucking books it out of there. Rightly so. And you get the one piece of like live action in this whole movie they blow up the beetlejuice adam's family house miniature uh but they never animated it because they did not have the time they were they were getting rushed near the end of this part of the production so it was the one bit that stayed live action they they were gonna uh rotoscope it but they never had the chance to i just thought it was a cool miniature effect yeah i don't think anyone's a style style choice but um and then she looks back at the debris of her home and she sees you know the the reborn version of of the bird mount creature uh she rides it and it's hinted that she is now the reincarnation of tarna of tarna the warrior of our story and then the movie decides to end on working in a coal mine by devo yeah (laughs) <laughs> like right? every, the most heavy metal song that you could think like of everything like, else no, was actually i love devo but i do too yeah. but why like it's a weird choice i agree why that i mean even that episode it, there's a lot of orchestra and music which is cool but they also play you know mob rules by black sabbath there's a lot of mm-hmm. do in this one right was it e5150 um and then yeah being through, through being cool by devo and then they end on more devo which Again, love Devo, but working on a coal mine. Yeah, at least whip it. Especially would make sense. Play. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> especially the choice of Devo song is is interesting too. Like through being cool actually works where where they use it earlier in the movie, but to to have this be the end credit song for this movie. Yeah, play Don Felder again. That's fine. You know that would have yeah. worked better. Um, but, even the the kind of titular Sammy Hagar song, yeah, would have been fine. Heavy metal, like that's what I thought they'd come back with. But fun yeah. fact, um, this was also the first time I found out that Working in a Coal Mine was actually sung by Devo. I did not know that. I mean, it's not a bad cover. Again, it's Devo. They're great. Yeah. Just right, right. Not what I think of with no 
heavy metal. <laughs> right. The the subject matter of this movie and the, you know, general tone of it being kind of an 80s heavy metal soundtrack, Devo's not really where my brain goes. I mean, goes, if, but hey, they might as well have used Whip It. It just doesn't make like sense said, either way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Now, or Weird Al's and... Dare to be Stupid. Why not? Yeah. Like fucking Transformers <laughs> movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, followed that's. Followed by Devo. That's, by that's, that's the segments in Heavy Metal. Um, that's Heavy Metal. That's Heavy Metal. Yeah. It, gosh. The the reception for this was mixed. Um, I, I'm Rightly so, what, though. Rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. Back then, I think yeah. even by today's standards, it would also be pretty, I think, mixed for a lot of people. Uh, had a budget of $9 million, It brought in twenty, so it was successful financially. Um, and again, it, it created this kind of legacy where there was, you know, the, uh, the, the sequel that you mentioned. But it also then inspired all these other films animated, oh yeah kind of it, not really for kids animated films in the 80s uh that we, yeah. we've talked it's about a, already it's a cultural icon it for yeah. sure um and it, it like you mentioned you mentioned the south park references and oh like, yeah there's so many it's awesome I've, like after seeing this movie i was seeing like elements of this in other things at yeah. this point uh which was i thought was fascinating uh and i won't lie when you do see like I feel like not being, I'm not a kid. I was born in 89, late in the year. I'm not an 80s kid. But I feel when I watched this that it like, it's like watching Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like you feel like you now understand that there's a subculture out there and you can now engage in it. If you like the media. Um, Not to say that I would necessarily, I think I would prefer the, rocky horror culture probably more so than the people who really love heavy metal probably uh depending on how they feel about some of those uh, the sexist <laughs> elements depending yeah but um but well I, I i think if you if you look at this film as a for a 1981 screen version of the magazine that it was inspired by yeah only by that then it nailed it. I oh, animation-wise too. Like you were watching. Yep. This is when we, we we have so many films nowadays that come out that are inspired by comic books, and there were there have been a few before, like the MCU or the DC movies really took off. There were few that really felt like you were watching a comic book, and you know, like uh, the Ang Lee Hulk movie, for example felt like a comic book in in some of their dissolves and stuff like they were they were trying to keep the comic aspect to it sin city is a good example sin city is another good example of that um and and this really nailed i think what they were going for by today's standards are there these elements that are sexist of course there are um there that's even why was something back then too, there was back then. <laughs> like, it, it was what I mean is like it was it, acceptable. It has a, a very strong like exploitation yeah. side to it, like for sure. And and so does the and magazine. So does the magazine. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's juvenile. Be... It's the source material. It, it, it like, is. Right. Yeah. I mean, if if you're gonna make this, then you know, if you're going for you know, I want this to feel like reading an issue of heavy metal. Then yeah, nailed it. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's well made this for is, what it was going is, for. This is the romance. This is the pulp fiction romance novels for teenagers. Yeah, of a 
certain type. Of a certain generation, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to say boys, but I didn't want to make that mutually exclusive. Predominantly male, probably, yeah. but yeah, I'm sure there's The some intention crossover. definitely was, like, like, the male gaze, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I think they made a really interesting um, interesting movie here that uh, that does translate the idea of heavy metal almost perfectly so yeah 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 I, I, yeah I don't think if this were to be remade today it would look anything like this I'm not saying it wouldn't no. be good no um, this... but it, it wouldn't be anything like this at all it I would, feel like it, yeah. this is something that stays where it is it's allowed yeah. to exist because of when it was made and why it was made yeah. and for what it was made and like it is a time capsule element it is a fixed point in the timeline do not open up this can again they did they tried to uh in a different way and it just it was just not good this this was i think uh dare i say a lightning in a bottle situation because I yeah. think despite its negatives yeah. um but i think the only thing you could have done to build on this is if they would have done subsequent films in the same era like yeah. followed this up a couple years later with more anthologies i think you might have been able yeah. to capture this this general but outside of the early 80s i don't think you're going to capture this and i think that was probably and i haven't seen heavy metal 2000 but i think one of the ma- major failures that people have cited with that film is that um it it, it, the fact that they did modernize it, they used 2000 like new metal bands on the soundtrack and they, you know, it, they tried to make, they tried to catch, make this for, you know, the kids that were, which, which was me, you know, was uh, 18 years old in the, around that time. So, um, yeah, it just, yeah, the music. And I think, yeah, I was going to bring up how the music in this plays such an important role for setting the tone. Yep, it does. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it's weird to see this like sci-fi futuristic stuff with music from the '70s playing, and I think that might have been like that's why even in like the the Harry Canyon segment, the music in there, yeah, it's good tunes in the background, but it it feels out of place with the setting. But that's about the only one. The rest of them, like it really, and it's not even all of them. There's just like the Journey tune, and again, nothing against Journey, but it just felt weird in that scene. Um, but I think most of the music in here, it's it's a celebration of music as much as it is a celebration of the source material. Yeah, comic magazine, for well, sure. And, and all of that stuff comes together like the pulp, the pulp style of writing, because we get a mm-hmm. variety of different kind of pulp, pulpy comic stories. We get a variety of different art styles and animation styles, and we get a maybe not quite the variety in the music but the music is definitely a driving force in this as well so yeah this is a cocktail um, of just yeah, yeah. like e- exposure to a, a massive uh easily influenced audience in a in a positive way well give or take like <laughs> but yeah, i mean mostly positive I th- yeah but this it's, is it's certainly it's certainly from 1981 but i don't think there's anything here that's like no you know this burn burn your copy of heavy metal or no i (laughs) think you treat this like uh uh, an important cultural trash Mm -hmm. turn off your brain media that's exactly what this is they're like again the emphasis on pulp fiction type situation that's what the magazine is yeah this is exactly what this is exactly what it is representing yeah and yeah i think i think it I, i think it arguably does well do you guys want to have any final thoughts and reviews? And yeah, go, um, yeah. who I, wants I'll, to start? I'll start. Um, okay. Yeah. So again, this is one I saw, I'd heard about, 
I think growing up watching rock and roll so much because of the personal connection to that, this was one that I always knew was out there because of the comparisons I'd always hear about, but I never saw it. Um, when I finally did, like I said, it was kind of like, oh, so this is heavy metal. All right, cool, whatever. But really sitting down to watch it, having more of a knowledge of the, the source material now, um, I really loved it. I, I, this is one I will be watching again. I don't know, it would be like an annual viewing, but yeah, I, this is uh, is much higher on my list than uh, it probably was a year or so ago. The, the way the music works with most of the segments is awesome. The animation styles, I love how it's not just one animation style, it's all these different kinds. You've got all these different directors coming in or, you know, for their particular segments. Um, the voice acting's great. The stories, while they're not all great, have you ever read an issue of Heavy Metal? They're not all great, you know? It's yeah. it's just like that. The goal was to bring Heavy Metal to the screen, and they did. So I'm giving this one an A. Okay. What about you, Eric? Yeah, I, I'm generally going to echo all that. I think this movie is a lot of fun, and it's still a lot of fun, even, you know, outside of my prepubescent <laughs> original viewing, or, or, you know, pubescent original viewing of uh, of this. Um, I think it actually aged much better than it probably has any right to, and I think it's because of that anthology style, all the, all the cool uh, animation, um, you know, conventional animation. And it's... I don't know, it's, it's, it's still... a a lot of fun. I think there's some good, compelling, um, you know, short sci-fi stories here. Like, there's uh, two or three of these things that are really, really great stories. And the other ones that aren't great stories are at least fun to watch for other reasons. Um, uh, tie that together with, like, a pretty solid soundtrack of, um, you know, a good early 80s, what we would call heavy metal music in the early 80s. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a... It's a good package for, <laughs> yeah, entertaining. I, I, um, yeah, I don't know. I had a lot of fun watching it, and it, it's always fun to go back and watch something um, that was kind of at a point in my life, like one of those holy grails. Like, oh, we got to see heavy metal. It's one of those, you know, there's this this risque animated adult animated movie that we. Um, and uh like you turn off your yeah, lights go, and make sure mom and dad are in bed or something. Right. Yeah. yeah, and to go back and revisit that. Um, without all of that kind of those expectations and stuff built up around it and to find that it still really it still really delivers the the delivers the goods even without all of that uh um yeah it means it's it stood some test of time so i don't know if i i'd go as high as a on this one i'm gonna give it a, a b plus um just because it, i don't think it is perfect I think it's got a it's got a couple of weaknesses uh mainly uh, and I hate to pick on it, we did already a little bit, but the so beautiful, so dangerous. We 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 could pull that whole bit out. Other than some of the design stuff, like the 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 spaceship design is kind of iconic at this point. And there's on some T-shirts and stuff, but um, I mean, at one point, yeah, no, they totally pulled out a whole other segment and apparently had Pink Floyd's time on it and shit and everything. But we get to keep, yeah, well. We, we, we keep Cheech and Chong in the spacecraft. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I don't know. I'll t- I totally watch a series, a different kind of series with those, you know, those two characters, Eugene Levy and actually 
screw the animation. Let's, you know, <laughs> you, you, in a different universe where it could happen, you have Harold Ramis and Eugene Levy just play those characters for real. I'd watch that movie. So Just snorting a bunch but, of fucking coke. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I'm going to land at a B plus. I, I really had a good time watching it again. And I think this is the by far, far and away, the best of the three animated features that we have. Yeah, watched. I'll take that yeah, as a personal victory. Um, <laughs> yes, that was my plan. Uh, no, it's so, yes, it's going to be an echo chamber situation. I, I think like rewatching this later on kind of reignited that feeling of like, I, I want to watch this just a little bit, I think more frequently than I have in the past X amount of years and whatnot. Um, similar to Joe, uh, not yearly, but something that occasionally will pop on. Um, again, as we stated, we are well aware that this has some problematic elements, uh, as all pulpy fiction does. But if you look past that, there's so many fun elements. Like, that does not stop the animation. The animation and the efforts done in here are so stylistic, so fun, edgy in a lot of ways, and you can see them being the inspirations for, for things to come, as well as being the representation of the media, the, the, the magazine in which um, it's inspired by. And I think breaking down like the short story elements, it's just, I think it really ties together very well, like even with its flaws. And yep, not all of those fucking short stories work out, but that's kind of the thing I feel like with all anthology, like not every story is mm-hmm. for every reader or viewer, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what kind of makes it fun, especially to share it with other people like you guys. I think that's what one of the things I was really excited as we were all sharing these oddly specific animated features. Like the biggest thing for me with this is like I've never actually got to watch this with anybody else. Like there's never been any group of any kind mm-hmm. that I got to watch this with and to watch it with other people to see like who liked what and everything um, like I don't know. That's that's I think the best part of it. This is a cool community movie. Um for those who want to participate in this community. And again, like the it, it's not going to be for everyone, but it's it is part of the history of sci-fi fantasy and I think it's an important element as well as like a good rock introduction. And the reason that rock sci-fi fantasy works together very fucking well. <laughs> um I think this is this proves it. My grade is, I like it a lot more, but I do have to bring it down a bit because of problematic things, no matter what. But uh, it's it's an A minus. It's still pretty high up there. Um, but I still, like I said, for the everything else outside the problems, it does not like it's too much good than there is bad by leaps and bounds. Um, and it's one of my favorite John Candy movies, <laughs> um, which I can oddly <laughs> say. Um, but that that's it. Uh, and before I pass pass my uh, rings off to Joe here to do his, his little memorized bit that I'm pretty sure <laughs> will be his final fucking words on his deathbed. Um, I hope not, but okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you've done it nearly 300 times now. Um, but no, I wanted to ask, did ultimately, what is your guys's? favorite uh favorite short story or whatever in in this thing oh and if you have a tie that's fair that's a tough one that's a tough one um i i i have to really think about that one 
I mean, I do like the B seventeen one. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I, that if that would be right off the top of my head, answer is B seventeen is my favorite. It's it's insane. it's just it's more up my alley. It's the most up my alley piece in this thing. I think yeah. art wise, subject matter wise. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say if I'm gonna tie it with or do a number two, I actually think my number two is Harry Canyon. Okay. Um, yeah, I can see that totally. Harry Canyon's just it's a really well put together little piece. Uh, good short. So yeah. I I think that ultimately, weirdly enough, mine is so beautiful, so dangerous. No, I'm fucking with you. It's B17. B17 is actually, like, the footage in the trailer that I saw that inspired me to look for it, what came from this. Like, the one, one of the dead pilots on the island just comes up and just melting. And I'm like, I gotta find wherever this is and look for it. And then it did not disappoint. B17... I think animated wise is my favorite animation um, and just overall atmosphere. Uh, but Den is my favorite story because it's, yeah. it's the one I have the most fun with and it has all the elements. And again, John Candy fucking sells it. He's, he's the treasure. He's the treasure of this, this entire fucking thing for me. So I mean, I'll, I'll even go out on a limb and say, if I had to choose like a second or what's up there is actually soft landing. Just that opening sequence. God, yeah, that's, that's so just beautiful. It's so cool. Yeah. So, um, it is. All right. Well, that was it. That was that was no. what I have. I'm glad I got to share this with you guys. So, take it away, Joe. But we want to also see if any of our listeners have any strong opinions about heavy metal, its sequels, or any any other uh, kind of films like this that we didn't bring up. We we didn't talk about American Pop, which is one I also haven't seen, but I know it's out there. Uh, you know, it has some some comparisons made commonly. But if you'd love to share any of those questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms, please feel free to send them to the Video Junkyard Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook and our main Video Junkyard Podcast pages. If you write it, we'll read it, and we look forward to hearing from you. And we hope you come back and join us here on the Video Junkyard Podcast. Lots of good stuff coming up as we're recording now. We are marching into our Halloween month, so we're going to do four weeks of uh, Halloween-type movies. Uh, questionable whether a couple of these are really straight up horror movies, but they're definitely all appropriate for the season. Uh, we're going to be looking at The Serpent and the Rainbow, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, 30 Days of Night, and The Company of Wolves. Um, so yeah, it'll get us through our uh, spooky month of October. Also, we have over 250 episodes in our archive. If maybe your favorite forgotten uh, film or guilty pleasure we've already done on the show, feel free to peruse those as well. If we haven't, uh, feel free to recommend one for us. So if you're fa- uh, send us your favorite, and we'll uh, make sure and get it on the show here eventually. We want to thank you once again for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast, and hope you will join us again. And until then, I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. And I'm Ryan Seiskel. Reminding you, if we learned anything today, respect your cabbies, don't touch weird green objects, and please don't run around with your dork out. Have a good night. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash videojunkyardpodcast, on Twitter at videojunkpod, and on Instagram as videojunkyardpodcast, all one word. I want to thank you again for listening. 
and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.